everyone. Thanks as always for listening. My guest today is Cameron Barnard. He's a musician and DJ based out of Garner, North Carolina. He and I met through his affiliation with Roundhouse a couple years ago. I'm a huge fan of his music, so I'm really excited to get to do this interview. Uh, he has a new album coming out at the end of the month, so we'll talk a little bit about that album. We'll actually get a sample of a couple tracks uh, from that release, so I'm really excited to be able to share that with you uh, because, like I said, the album doesn't come out till the end of the month, so this will be actually the first time that anyone in the public will be able to hear the record, so I'm very grateful to be able to share that experience with you all. If you haven't heard Cameron's first EP that was released on Roundhouse last year, To The Moon, I would highly suggest maybe even pressing pause on this podcast and going and listening to that EP release. Uh, it's it's a banger all the way through. It's only about six songs, um, but I think it'll really help inform a lot of the stuff that we talk about. We really dig into his music selection, his sampling choices, how he samples things, musical influences from his childhood, uh, different people that he's worked with here in the Triangle area as well. It's a really thorough interview for the music nerds and just casual fans alike. So uh, again, thanks for listening. Really excited to get into this. Without further ado, Cameron Barnard. Welcome back to the Buddy Ruski Show. This is episode 11. My guest today is Cameron Barnard, a.k.a. Foot Rocket. Cameron, thanks for being on the show. Hey, how's it going, Justin? Uh, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, it's interesting because most of the guests that I've had so far on my show have been people that I've known for a while through the arts community here in Durham or grew up with here in Durham. And it's it's really fun, actually, to do a show with someone that I feel like you and I have crossed paths a lot in the last couple years, right. but haven't really spent time together having any, uh, you know, deep philosophical conversations. But I, I really like your music for what it's worth. And uh, thank you. And I'm really excited to talk more about the new album that you have coming out later in the month um, and also, you know, getting to know each other a little bit. So, yeah, again, thanks for being on the show. Let's let's backtrack. Let's go uh, to the beginning. You said you moved from uh, Greensboro to Garner when you were six. So you're basically a Raleigh, Wake County kid through and through. Yeah. What was that experience like growing up in, in Raleigh, Garner, and how did it put you on the trajectory towards the music career that you have now? Mm, that is an interesting question. Um, I do my best. <laughs> because, okay, so here we go. I have been, yeah, I was homeschooled all the way through. Through high, high school. school? Yes. So that's one thing that I'd say drastically changed the way I see things and grew up than people around me, like my peers and my friends. Um, was that homeschool with other kids or was yeah, it just with okay. other kids? Yeah, for sure. I know that's how most it's when people say homeschool, I think it gets misconstrued as it's just you in your home. Yeah, but really, it's like a small <laughs> community of people that. Yeah, it's a, it was definitely yeah the latter small community of people because, I mean, my mom and parents both didn't want 
like me or my siblings to grow up not being able to talk to anyone or you know be dressing like we're in the 70s or something like that weird the the strange uh stereotypes that you hear about homeschoolers but um not to say that it didn't turn out strange anyway but that's a, another story um so growing up my influences so i'm the youngest of four kids okay and they were all also homeschooled no i can't remember <laughs> so, well i know one of my brothers went to high school for sure all the way through and then i think my older sister was um homeschooled all the way through and then other brother i can't remember if he went to high school or not i don't think so but um yeah it was a lot of work for my mom she'd say and uh were your parents homeschooled? What was the inclination no. for inclination, them to do homeschool um, versus public school or private school, whatever? I think when we were living in Greensboro, my mom was like, the public school system was not adequate for my oldest siblings. They're like six and seven years older than me, so I wasn't even alive when she made this decision. But she was like, they're not learning to be productive people in society at this place. And she was just like, you know... I'm going to have to do something because I don't want... She She just basically wanted something better for her kids than what we were around at the time. So she learned a bunch of stuff and homeschooled us. So she was your teacher? Yeah. Along with just, the other kids in your homeschool community? She taught right, them Right, well, also. okay, so homeschool communities, most of the time it's a, a, a group of parents as well who also have specialties and learn different things to teach different things but like as far as at home it was my mom at my actual home but then we would go like on the weekends or on Thursdays and stuff and have classes with other people and weekly stuff like that and field trips and stuff like that with other people did you as you got older was there ever any pushback to want to be at a public school Personally, yeah, because I grew up around other kids who weren't homeschooled as well. So it was odd sometimes hearing about things where, of course, you see them on TV, but it's like you can never it, there's nothing to replace the actual experience of going to public school. And I know that for sure. And sometimes I was like, hmm, I wish I was at a public school. And then my public school friends would hear me say that and be like, no, you don't. And then they talk about it was more like a grass is greener type of thing. They talk about how trash public school is and how they wish they could stay home, stuff like that. So I just I don't know. I never. It's weird for me to answer that question because it's biased because I was homeschooled all the way through, and I always had a negative view of school in the first place. I'm dyslexic, so that also plays a role into it. I didn't really ever take a liking to sitting down in a chair and reading a book or writing things and the school format of stuff. And I, that continued even into like when I was in college and just before I really started trying to do music seriously, it was just like, man, I hate this stuff. <laughs> like this, not, not to knock education at all, but I'd never really been a fan of classroom work. Yeah. Well, and Part of the challenges in a public school setting is if you do have any sort of hurdles that, you know, academic hurdles that you're trying to uh, get over, the public school system is not always set up to accommodate different learning styles. And so mm. homeschool, I imagine, can be 
a better setting right even if it you still have some of the same challenges because it's a more intimate setting you maybe get the attention to help push through some of those challenges did you get to do music a lot when you were homeschooled yeah okay so i played and took lessons in, on the classic guitar nylon string and was classically trained for about four years and then i also took two years of piano um but to backtrack and preface my my mom's entire side of her family is musical mm. so she has she's like got three or four sisters and a brother and everybody over there, her uncles and her mom and everybody on that side of the family is extremely musical. So that's like where my love of music comes from, I'd say. My dad also loves music, but he's he can't even carry a tune to save his life. And that's okay, but he just... It's any, any musical, um, I'd say talent or anything I love about music pretty much comes from my mom and her side of the family. So not only doing music as a learning type experience there was always music in the house just because we all love music growing up um, yeah my dad was a dj when i was coming up he so he did student radio and things when he was in school at central and then when i was a young kid he would do school dances a lot so he hmm. it's not a dj in the way that maybe you and all the roundhouse crew are djs but he had his uh, mix CD so he'd make all these playlists and put together all these sets and then he'd set up the projector and have the music videos playing for all this is when people cared about music videos I guess right. <laughs> he'd have the projector playing with the music videos and he'd get on the mic and play you know they played through a few songs and then he'd check in with the crowd and say hey you know make sure you go over and like you know it's high school dances so they have all this other shit going on too during right. the dance and so he's kind of the person coordinating all these right. different moving parts and making announcements and all that kind of stuff and cool so yeah it was really fun and so i say all that to say that i was also around music a lot i played violin through middle school nice. um and kind of wish that i had kept playing i'm i keep telling myself i'm gonna get a violin again and get back on the horse but and then my mom, same thing. She wasn't involved in music professionally, but was always playing music. Both of them were just, there was music all the time. Right. And so as I got older and LimeWire became a thing, oh, yeah. it was really easy to just say, oh, I like this artist. I'm going to download their whole catalog and, <laughs> and listen to it and get really invested in it. Um, so that that's dope that you both had the opportunity to experience music through your family and then also a chance to learn how to perform. Yeah. Cause even my parents both have very different, um, tastes in music, which was also very cool. And me being the youngest, I also got to like the benefit of hearing what my siblings were into when I was just a hater and like, but didn't really have a choice, but to listen to what they were listening to because I was the youngest and you know, my brother has the stereo. So we're listening to whatever he wants to listen to. How old are you? I'm 23. Okay. Yeah. So we're, I'm 28. So we're about a generation uh, apart. And I wonder what he was listening to that you were hating on. Cause it's probably <laughs> the same stuff that I was listening honestly, to. Honestly, my oldest brother used to, I can distinctly remember him listening to electronic music and me hating it. 
Mm. I used to hate house music. I used to hate deep house, like anything. And I would purposefully sit behind him while he's on the computer, just looking up stuff and be ready to tell him how much I hated whatever he was listening to. And then one time he played, um, what was it? Daft Punk, Digital Love. And I was sitting there like, man, this is going to be trash. And then I was like, oh, man, this was amazing. (laughs) I I was at a loss for words kind of because I was like, I don't really know what to do now because I finally heard something that I really actually love. But I still have this pretense that I got to keep up with my brother that I don't like his music. (laughs) So from that point on, like years went on before I even found that track again because I was like, I can't let him know (laughs) that I loved it. But but I did. I think that was. Yeah. So I give him most of the credit for my electronic music. What um, else were you listening to if not? See, that was that was when I was I don't remember when that album came out, but I wasn't even looking into music at that time in my life. I was just listening to whatever, but I wasn't I hadn't quite gotten into looking for music on my own at that point in my life. So I was just like listening to what were your parents playing? Okay, so my dad pretty much exclusively (laughs) will listen to smooth jazz and stuff around that genre. So smooth jazz, regular jazz, um, stuff like Wayman Tisdale bass heavy but still jazz and then my mom and her side of the family will listen to like ever like stevie wonder you know um earth wind and fire uh the bgs they're a classic like funk disco yeah funk disco uh soul music soul uh take six just really rich chords and that type of music any hip-hop in the house any hip so that would be my brothers yeah yeah for sure um my younger brother and my oldest brother both were into a lot of hip-hop me not so much but i this was like early 2000s right so i can't honestly remember all the names but for sure hip-hop in the house my second oldest brother for about i think oh man you're taking me back his entire high school career I think freshman year one of his friends told him if he listened to country music for a full day like straight just country music then he wouldn't be able to stop and my brother (laughs) took him up on that challenge and then for all of high school he would only listen to QDR like the country music station so I've listened to a lot of that as well not necessarily by choice. And again, I think it had a similar effect on me too, because it was like, wow, this stuff really does get in your bones. If you just listen to it, (laughs) not to say even to this day, like after he moved out, I haven't listened to any country music, but it's not, I don't know. I feel like I was never really given a choice (laughs) whether I wanted to be into it or not because I shared a room with that brother and he was just always listening to it. So I've listened to a pretty wide variety of music growing up to say the least so when you finished high school or finished homeschooling you said you went to college did you go to school here locally yes so originally the plan was to do um like two years at a community college at wake tech and then go to state for i think i was going for computer computer engineering or something like that this was when i was i wanted to do music but didn't really think of it as something I could do practically, or I guess I was scared. And I was like, well, I'm just going to 
go to college and do what everybody else does because that's the safe route. But I think I think it was like a semester and a half in. I was like, I can't keep doing this. This is driving me crazy. And the little bit of time I would put into music, into making music, because I was making beats and stuff like that at the time, it would, in my in my small world and in my eyes, it was getting blessed. Like Like, just people telling me oh this is crazy and like come to a show here and I'm like what that's that's amazing but I'm focusing on school or doing my best you know doing my best to focus on school even though I hate it so much um so yeah I went but I did not finish I didn't drop out though I'd say that that's something to clarify I didn't drop out I stopped which is the same thing as dropping out but but yeah one semester I was just like i what was I like? I told my parents, I was like, you know, I, I don't want to go back. I just want to work on music. And they were like, okay, just get a job or full-time job. I had a job at the time. And they were like, just get a full-time job and so that you can support yourself until your music starts doing bigger things. And I was like, okay. And then like a week later, a full-time position opened up where I was working. And I was like, well, that's all the sign I need. <laughs> I'm just going to do this thing. Yeah, I also went to school for two and a half years at community college after trying to go to university right out of high school, didn't work out, was out of school for a while, went to community college, finished that, was out of school again, got mm, somewhat peer pressured into going back to school Mm -hmm. to finish out my four year degree. And, but I had a similar experience where, uh, when I started blogging for the first time in, I don't know, 2011 and I was, originally going to go to school for computer science, switch to teaching. But then as I started writing more and people were reading what I was writing and a friend of mine who runs a website called Clarion Content, he was one of the first people to really give me a shot and say, hey, come write for me on my website also. Or can I repost your thing that you're writing for your blog on our website? And that's when I was like, well, shit, man. I already got a job writing. What do I need to go back to school for? Right. <laughs> Which is maybe ridiculous, maybe not. But when you get that first opportunity mm-hmm. to do the thing that you love doing for money. Right. And for some notoriety, it's really hard to turn back. Yeah. So were you, how much of your time was being spent making and performing music at this point? As you're making the decision to leave not drop out but leave school (laughs) and start leaning more into music production how much time eclipsed before you were really able to sort of get your foot in the door as a music performer you mean how much time was i spending on it you mean yeah like you know you've got your full-time job so obviously you've got i don't know 30 40 hours wrapped up in that right was the rest of your time then spent making music and like oh. going out and performing oh yeah 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 i don't <laughs> yeah um if you were to look at my life or anyone else they'd probably be a little bit surprised and it's not a brag it's, i think it's kind of weird but i don't spend any time playing video games or watching stuff it's very it's an interesting mindset to be in where everything I do for fun is geared around music if I'm not if I'm not making music I'm doing research on music and old listening to old old 70s or 80s records and 
digging through people's portfolio and learning stuff about music production and gear and well, that's how it should be for sure i guess so but like that's that's all i love to do so that's what i spend the mass majority of my time so especially at at that point in time even it was like i'd come home from work do homework a little, maybe half of it <laughs> honestly do some homework and then just be listening to something and or diving into like on whosampled.com trying to find out what they oh, used. I love that and, website. Yeah. That just, website changed my life. It, it's just so, so revolutionary. It's, it's the funnest thing ever to find out. I mean, it, I almost cried. I think when I found out how many samples Daft Punk has used and not really done anything to change them and made the most amazing track ever. Yeah. That's a part of music making that a lot of people aren't familiar with and don't take the time to I mean it's in some ways it's like taking a music history class tracking right. samples and sampling for me says so much about the artists mm-hmm. in terms of the samples they choose to use how they choose to use them a guy like DJ Premier if you go back and look at his sample catalog it's pretty obscure the kind of stuff that he pulls into these slapping boom bap mm-hmm. productions guys like Jay Dilla, MF Doom, these guys that I grew up on. Yeah, they have, um, they're essentially music historians at this, guys like Questlove. I mean, they have just an incredible breadth of knowledge on so many different genres because they're just spending all their time digging for records. Genres and even weird, like I remember one of the strangest samples me and my friend came across was uh, we were listening to a Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog uh, soundtrack. I think it was one of the games on the like the original Nintendo DS, but it had like a lot of, I guess you'd call it drum and bass in the soundtrack of the of the game. And we were looking at the producer and all the stuff that he had used to uh, sample and to use it. And one of the samples that he took for one of the tracks was um, a Malcolm X speech. About forty five minutes in, he says like the coffee is too black, and it's too strong, and he looped too black too strong in this track and we were like who it was a japanese guy also so it's we're like thinking how in the world did this guy find this like where was he when he was sitting just listening to a malcolm x speech (laughs) for what purpose and then he and then he finds this one line 45 minutes in because it i mean you know a lot of producers will needle drop through samples and just jump through pretty quickly but the way the way it was set up it seemed like he was actually sitting down listening to a Malcolm X speech and just was like hey I'm gonna sample that and it was very it was inspiring to me because I was like I didn't know people went through this much work just to find a sample that ended up being in a pretty big video game and you have to have an ear for it too yeah that's the thing is Millions of people have listened to that speech and millions of musicians have listened to that speech. Right. But uh, it takes a certain ear to stop and hone in on those particular moments that become these, for some songs, like iconic samples. I mean, I have a whole Spotify playlist that I keep adding to of the originals and the mostly hip hop songs that use the sample and... It's if you were to just look at the samples, the playlist makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. But then in the context of being samples for hip hop songs, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I totally get it. So yeah, I, I admire your discipline because it's something that a lot of artists have challenges with now with Netflix and social media and just the myriad of distractions that you can have to be able to sit and work on your craft unimpeded for any amount of time is really difficult thing to do. Mm. I was just talking to Gabe (laughs) who everyone knows started runaway and he recently got back from a big road trip out West for about three months. And it's something that he and I talked about when you're an artist and you want to sit with your own thoughts and build on things that you've learned to try to create new pieces of work you're always just getting texts from friends it's and especially for me and for him having such a public company Mm -hmm. for the last five years you can't go anywhere without somebody stopping you and wanting to ask you hey how's it going have you know is the store coming back? Is it, <laughs> it's like, oh, I just, I just need to focus on my writing right now. Like, right. Uh, so I've been trying to find places to hide in Durham and, <laughs> and read. And I'm not going to tell anybody on this podcast where they are because I don't want you to find me. I'm really grateful for everyone that supports me, but don't come bother me. When I'm in my happy place. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's take a quick break. You and I have been pretty vigilant about staying hydrated. So we're going to cut here and then we'll be back in a moment. There's a moment for every person when they're starting a new venture, a business, creative project, where they are maybe working a part-time or full-time job. They're trying to do this other thing on the side. And eventually, to make this passion project work, you have to lean in 100%. And you jump off the cliff. You take this risk to try to make your dreams come true. Has there been a moment like that for you where you've contemplated what, what you know what it would take to lean into music 100%? You may do it already, um, but what is that process like? What has that process been like for you to think about how can I become a full-time musician and, and really make this my career? I think, yeah, that, that moment has definitely happened for me and a lot of my peers, a lot of my friends, because most of my friends that I have are into something musical as well. They're doing their own thing. We've had tons of conversations about this where it's like, I want to do this thing. And like, seriously. And I feel like we, we've had conversations where we're just like almost mad 
because we feel like we've wasted time. <laughs> We're like, oh man, we could have been working on a beat right now when we decided to go bowling or something lame like that. Not, not if, not necessarily bowling's lame, but just it's not our passion, you know. So. I'd say for me, yeah, I've had a couple moments like that in my life. One of them was when I told my parents I wasn't going back to school. Um, I think the second one was like after, I'd say after my project came out last year, To the Moon. And it was doing some pretty cool stuff. People, like I'd never had anything officially released before that time. And I didn't expect it to get as much attention as it did, which was also like a, I was like, man, I, I should probably take this seriously, you know, do there because, because it's, it's funny to, to see or to know personally how much work I put into something and to the, see how the results of it and it's awesome. And then, but also to reflect, like I could have done so much more and I wonder like what could have happened, you know, like if I, had really, really gone 100%. And that keeps happening to me the more I put into my music and more stuff happens. I don't know if you've heard the single that uh, I put out with Roundhouse, the the seemingly single. Stop, uh, the, stop, stop That Man. man. Yeah. yeah. One of the biggest moments I think I've ever felt, la- yeah, this past summer, it was on BBC Six Radio. And I, I remember like, seeing that. Yeah, and I was like freaking out, like, "Oh my gosh, this dude in Britain said my name <laughs> on the radio." I was like, "Man, I, you know, I think I was. I don't even know what I was doing at the time when uh, David texted me about it. I was just like, I wasn't working on music, but I just sat there and was like, I think I cried a little bit, honestly. Like I just sat there. I was like, you know, why?" why does this stuff keep happening when I don't feel like I'm putting as much effort into it as I could be? Even though at that time, even I was working even harder on music than I was before. But, um, yeah, the plan, plan a is definitely music for me right now. hundred percent. And are you able to do that full time or do you still have other things that I'm still working another job? Yeah. The job I'm working right now is actually pretty cool though. Cause I only work, well, I was working retail for the, the longest time and I used to a couple years ago I used to coach parkour as well which was pretty cool but also not my passion parkour is something I like to do but it's I found out kind of through experience not something I enjoyed so much teaching little kids how to do because coaching little kids isn't so much coaching how to do parkour as it is teaching kids how to sit down and manage listen themselves and, yeah <laughs> not run in front of someone who's gonna land on top of them or something crazy you know the record to the moon also came out on roundhouse right last year how did you get hooked up with those guys was it through rodney probably yeah i'd say probably through oak city slums going to his shows and i remember is he somebody you connected with pretty early on in your music career uh, Rodney? Yeah. Yeah, he I've known him since we moved to this area pretty much okay. 2002. Grew up around that guy. But um even I think I think um if you know who Marv Crown is, yeah. DJ, he I don't remember which what was the first Roundhouse show I went to, but I'm pretty sure DJ was there and either either Rodney or DJ told me about it and they were like, "Yeah, Roundhouse, they're doing a a show at the shed." And I was like, oh, "Okay, check this out." And 
looking back and talking to Nick about it at the time, they had like just started doing that. But when I came, I thought it was like already an established thing. So I'm coming up to the show like, whoa, there's all these people in here and people were playing beats. I had no idea this was a thing and this is awesome. And I just wanted to, you know, meet the people who were running it and figure out what's going on with that. Was there a scene in Raleigh and Garner already established where you were or was this the first time where you really saw, oh, this is first time there's a lot ever. going on here. First time ever. Because Again, like I started making beats because, okay, so there was that one moment where I discovered Daft Punk while looking over my brother's shoulder. And then I guess from that point on, I was always looking for more music like that. Found out it was called house music, found out it was like, you know, specifically French house music. And I was like, okay, I got to find more more of this stuff because this music is awesome. And I don't know if any of the listeners or, or you personally have ever looked for more Daft Punk type music before but it's it can lead you on an interesting trail because they don't make specifically the same type of music so in that search I found a lot of other types of electronic music and started getting into all kinds of stuff um Qu- quiz our listeners a little bit who are you who are you discovering oh lord uh well so I will say I remember when did this record come out I remember listening to Justice, justice. The first, okay, album. for sure, yes. And I want to say that was. I mean, I'd listened to dance music, house music growing up because my dad had it, but that was the first time discovering music like that on my own. Where I was like, "Holy shit, this yeah. is like nothing else that I listened to." Yeah, I remember because I used to. What did, what was my main tool? Pandora at the time. Yeah. So I was like, just Daft Punk Radio and listen to whatever comes up. Justice was definitely on that list. Um, you're asking me to use my memory. Fats and Small. The old, they're like 80s, 90s house people. Um, I can't even honestly. Oh, oh, oh. What's that group called? Giant Enormous Extinct Dinosaurs or something? That sounds amazing. I don't know. That yeah, either. I mean, just just house music. If you if you were to do some research on like just search French house music, I was listening to all that stuff. This was before I even started diving into SoundCloud. And the reason I'm having such a hard time remembering the names is because there are so many names, mm-hmm. especially now or even you know after 2010 when Vaporwave and then Future Funk came on the scene, and people were just making up random names left and right with Japanese text thrown in for good measure um which i still listen to a lot of that stuff but it's like i to keep up with it i have honestly no idea what most of the people i listen to um or listened to at the time but uh i think it was in 2000 i want to say eight that might be a lie 2008 my cousin actually gave me a copy of fl studio and now like at this time i was already like listening to music but hadn't ever thought about making it and then he was just already making beats and I, and then he showed me some because we were on vacation I think at the beach or something and he was like listen to this uh, I'm working on and I'm like what you you make electronic music it blew my mind and I was like I want to do this and he was like sure and then he gave me a copy of FL Studio and then showed me a little bit like how to throw sounds together and then from that point on I was hooked because uh I was like, well, you know, 
I think every artist has like a moment too where they they discover a piece of art that they love and they fall in love with outside of their own creativity and then sometimes there's a moment where you're like I want to make this I want to do this and and try to bring out or create what I love about this thing that I've found so that was kind of my approach and especially in the beginning to my music just trying to make I make what I want to listen to so with that in mind to the moon what who what were some inspirations behind that record what was it what what inspiration were you trying to pull creativity out of to create that record so at that time I had discovered a lot of future funk and French house music at the time like I was listening to Android Apartment he's a future funk guy uh, I don't know if anybody on here has heard of Esprit or George Clanton. I haven't. Just those are mostly vaporwave people, but it was through my search for more French house music, which kind of got overshadowed by the giant wave of just EDM that came up like right after Daft Punk Discovery album came out and stuff like that. That kind of just overwhelmed the electronic scene. That I was like, well, I don't. I mean. You know, EDM is cool with all the lasers and the bass drops, but I want more just like house music. Mm -hmm. So that's what kind of led me to listening to Future Funk because Future Funk is like the equivalent of house music that someone who's into just vaporwave would make. So they take a Japanese sample and like add drums and chop it up a little bit. But it, the main thing is that it's like basically disco with heavier drums and Japanese lyrics, and therefore the amazing Japanese instrumentation. So that kind of led me into in that direction and made me really appreciate Japanese culture and their take on the 80s and all that happened in the late 70s and the music scene over there and with city pop in general. Have you been? Um, no, Japan? I'm definitely going to go. I'm putting that out there right now. Gonna go to Japan one day soon <laughs> if you can get a deal on flights let me know all right <laughs> i'll be your roadie all right cool i'll be your tour manager oh here's a dj itunes oh, one of the earlier like people name. i used to listen to dj I, he he like switched it for legal reasons to jd sanuti but he's still one of my favorite producers and i don't think he makes music anymore mm. but oh Got and you might have heard fees. of uh saint pepsi nope no these are all. Like I got homework to do. True, exactly. You you work on what you're interested in. I don't watch sports or play video games. <laughs> I, I do both. I listen to Maybe music. Too much. <laughs> well, it's interesting on specifically on the Roundhouse label. So originally, Roundhouse was a crew collective event series. Nick and David and uh, Trandall put this record label together. Right, and I feel like your records your sound is pretty distinct from the things that they've offered a lot of the other roundhouse performers over the years with the exception of maybe patrick tree city are traditional beat makers they're yeah. more hip-hop influenced mm -hmm. and even some of the folks that roundhouse has brought to raleigh durham to perform from outside the area tend to lean more in that direction Mm -hmm. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that to the moon and for sure this new record, which we'll talk about in a second, 
stand out from the other things that are, even though, I mean, I loved Trandall's record. I love all the things that come out on Roundhouse, but I've more recently found my way back into dance music, house music, like old techno. Um, and so this is like fitting right in my, in my lane. Gotcha. Awesome. Um, yeah, let's, let's jump to this. So you've got a new record coming out at the end of the month. Um, does it have an official title yet? Am I at liberty to say the official title? Yes, it has official title. No, you don't have to. Nah, I'm going to say it. I was, yeah. I was saying that jokingly. It's called Colony. It's kind of a, I guess, an ode to last year's project as it was to the moon. And this one's Moon Colony, but just Colony. It's basically, yeah, it's a follow-up, slightly bigger project to what I did last year. And is that, are you pulling from some of the same influences or... Is there something that's happened in the last year or something that you've listened to that? Because it, it is, there are definitely similarities to the record, but it has a, its own pretty distinct yeah um, pacing as well. It does. Um, I don't know. Growing up in listening to a lot of footwork recently even and trying to improve, I guess, on my sound and really make it my own has I feel led me in this direction with this current album um because I don't know if you've ever heard any of them you've you've seen me live so mm -hmm. I've played I tried not to miss I've, one I've <laughs> I've played a few footwork tracks and I usually like to start with footwork just because of how fast it is but even to hear someone who makes footwork or listens to footwork they they don't usually attribute my stuff as footwork but it's kind of my spin on it or what my, my own, I guess, interpretation of footwork. And that has come from listening to like, I don't know, a lot of Rodney stuff, machine girl, um, even some like obscure stuff that you wouldn't think of like Catronata or, um, Lotus, he's not that flying obscure. Lotus. No. Well, you know what I mean? Like that you wouldn't think, you wouldn't think that it um, would influence me to go in that direction, I sure. guess. And then a lot of Vaporwave, which is never fast, but I don't know. In some way, it has influenced that small aspect of my musical taste. Um, and I think I only I have a couple tracks on this new album that are more that style, um, but it's mostly house music and like that French house style of dance. But um, what were you trying to accomplish on this album? that you weren't able to convey with to the moon. What do you think has changed? Oh, for sure. To your evolution as so an artist. So this one I mean start by saying every track on here was influenced by a friend or family member, if not directly or indirectly. So to the moon was like I don't know, me just saying, you know, to the world, I'm doing this thing. Shoot the yeah, the idea behind to the moon was, you know, shoot for the stars. And I think the phrase goes, shoot for the moon and you'll land into the stars if you miss or something. But I flipped it around. I was like, you know, because it makes more sense to me in my scientific nerdy mind that if the moon is closer, so shoot for the stars and you might hit the moon if you come up short. But the moon is still pretty dope. That's why I named it to the moon. And so this album is like. Here we are on the moon with me and everybody that helped me get there. So I wanted to. I wanted to do a project that 
showed, I guess, my gratitude for all my friends and people that have even like people like you, like who've come to shows and shown their support and, you know, just been that little bit of encouragement and a nod that I'm somewhat doing something and going in the right direction with my life, you know? And with that being said, like a lot of these tracks were even some of the chops on some of the, just some of the tracks were done with other people. And I was just like, Hey, you want to make this track with me today in the studio? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. And it was just, it's been a very, this one's been a very um, collective process. Are there any people in, um, we talked about Oak City Slums who has played a ton of roundhouse shows. I would be shocked if people listening to this interview don't already know who he is, but are there other people besides Rodney locally that have really influenced your music, whether you're Patrick to Patrick? Yeah, Patrick for sure. Um, I can't even remember which show it was where I saw him play live with a, I think it was, it might've been like four years ago. I saw him do a show on his push and I was like, man, this is crazy because what he does, what a lot of people might not even realize is most of his live sets he makes for that day specifically and he'll make all those tracks for the day and it's like unreleased music and it all flows together because he made it for that live set and that blew my that always blows my mind yeah I mean, you you and patrick have pretty oh. similar styles so i'm not surprised that he isn't has been an influence on you because again of the folks in roundhouse or sort of in the scene of beat makers music producers you all seem to fit in a similar space mm. compared to some of the other artists right and it's not even like i'm trying to stand out or anything i just make what i i love and i i do really like boom bap and like the other beats and the heavy heavier bass type stuff that a lot of the other roundhouse people make but it's not i don't know i feel i feel weird i've made i've made and i do make some more beat type tracks but it's not something that I aspire to or that really makes me feel a certain way. Um, Tony G is another guy who, who makes more of that type of music, but, and also has influenced me greatly, but I don't try to go into his lane at all. <laughs> it's just, I'm just like, you do your own thing, man, but I love it. Um, another local guy. Oh, Nick Sanborn for sure. Every time he DJs, I'm like taking notes. Not even because I was talking to Nick about this the other day, not necessarily because he's like a good DJ or anything, but I love his selection and the way he moves a crowd with what he plays. And that's always been inspiring to me. Yeah. I mean, that's what good DJ, that's what separates them from the pack is yeah. being able to adjust. And we did a mini doc on Patrick for Runaway that's still up on YouTube. People can go check I've it out. It. And that's something that he talks about is feeling the energy from the crowd yeah. and having that influence how you might play the rest of your set or what selections you might make. And there's this give and take that's happening throughout the night that if you're a good DJ, you're really able to capitalize on it mm -hmm. and people notice and want to come back and continue to have that experience over and over. So it's it's cool to hear you say that because that is a really important part of live performing is not just getting up there and pressing play, but really being 
in that moment with the crowd and feeding off of it and, and giving back in this mutually respective way. So um, if you don't mind, I'd love to take a quick break to give people a sample from the new album uh, to let them sort of wrap their head around some of the things we're talking about in terms of taste, in terms of style. Um, so this is a special moment. Don't take it for granted, everyone. We're going to play a little bit uh, from the new record, Colony, by Foot Rocket. Wow, okay, so that was Rainbow Road from the new album, Colony. Uh, that's probably my favorite track on the album. Uh, I was saying off mic that it sounds a lot like, which was my favorite record from the first album, um, but I'm curious what the process was for making that specific record. And for somebody that says that they didn't play video games, you do know that Rainbow, Re Rainbow Road is a... <laughs> reference to okay okay let me video games. let me let me go back and correct that statement i don't play video games if i'm by myself oh, okay. if i'm with friends not all of my friends want to sit and hear me work on a track for <laughs> hours at a time or if i'm at someone else's house of course i'll i'll play some mario kart for sure or some super smash brothers but are there any mario kart samples no involved in the song They're, i so, couldn't quite tell but i was listening very intentionally for them. Anyone who's played, well, actually, this is probably not true. When I've played Mario Kart, the Rainbow Road track, no matter no matter which Mario Kart it is, the Rainbow Road track always makes me feel like the most exhilarated because it's, I don't know, so dangerous and so fast. And that was the feeling I got from making this track. It's very, like you were saying, it's a very, like, I guess, uh, what's the word? Poppy sounding and... Uh, Happy, I guess, yeah, for, for lack yeah. of a better term. It does have a bounce to it. Very, yeah. In that way. Bright feeling yeah. track. So it just made me think of it. Most of most of the tracks that I name 
have a feeling or or were named that because of what was going on at the specific at the specific time when I saved the project and I was just thinking about Rainbow Road because of how bright and sparkly this track sounds to me. Um, samples, I think it was a... You don't have to give away your secret okay. sauce, but... <laughs> it was a track from the 80s. You can try and find it if you dare. And do you have a specific record on the album that you feel the most... Um, exemplifies how you want to present yourself as an artist it would definitely be the first one mm. on the record yeah yeah i that track is also really awesome and nick can attest i texted him and told him i was like nick this is a hell of a way to open an album so people were really in for a treat right off the bat uh when they when they play this through Thank you so much for being on this show. This has been a pleasure to have this conversation, to get to nerd out yeah. on music. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Of course. Like I said at the top, we've crossed paths a million times, and I would have never known these things about you, and it's something that I hope this podcast and this show can do for other folks, not just me, because I would absolutely have just invited you over to talk for two hours about music. <laughs> but hopefully this conversation has also been illuminating for other folks that know your music that have seen you perform and now they get to know a little bit more about your influences and and really all the work that gets put into making creative art i think that's lost on some folks is that they see the finished product and they think oh they're just clicking a couple buttons and dragging a couple files around and boom album's done boom oh they're just you know they're just up there pressing play on their little keypad they're not actually doing anything when they're up there performing and there's a lot that goes into this work and so as a as someone who does not perform music anymore but is a uh, curator and someone who appreciates people who are performers uh, I want to say thank you for putting your art into the world because it is made my life better and I'm sure has made the lives of other people better as well. That's, so that's nice of you to say. Yeah. Where can people find you on the internet so they can continue to track mm. your career? Well, I'm pretty sure on every streaming platform, just look up foot rocket. That's a capital F O O T capital R O C K E T no space Foot rocket. And then do you um, want people to follow you on social media? <laughs> I mean, you sure can if you want to. My Instagram is footrocketman on Instagram. I have a Facebook page as well. It's footrocket. Um, you doing any crazy parkour stuff on your Instagram? Yes, my Instagram is, is partially me doing flips when I feel like it and partially me talking about music and putting out stuff. Somehow, if you can blend those two <laughs> things together into your next performance, doing backflips off the DJ stand. I've considered it many times and then also considered the cost of the equipment I might break. And the lawsuit <laughs> that might uh, <laughs> yeah. follow right behind And the that. slipping on whatever liquid was spilled on the floor. Right. The broken leg. and Yeah. Well, thanks again. Uh, and thanks to everyone for listening. This has been episode 11 of the Buddy Ruski Show. As always... You can find this show and all the other shows that I've done on the website at 
Buddy Ruski. It's www.buddyruski.com. You can find me elsewhere on the internet at Buddy Ruski. Um, if you haven't already, check out the Patreon page. You can support this podcast that way. Patreon.com backslash Buddy Ruski. Uh, when does the album come out? We have a final date yet? Um, Don't tell anyone. They'll have to find you on all your cool platforms to find out. They have to do be, their own homework. Should be by the end of this month. <laughs> Great. Uh, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace.